Sidney Grice was out when I got home. He had left early, Molly told me, following some information about a stolen racehorse. Her apron was smudged with blacking. Would I like breakfast? I would not. I had a cup of tea and went into the small courtyard garden and sat for my first cigarette under the cherry tree. I put on my cloak and walked to Tavistock Square and smoked another cigarette there, until a scandalised gentleman in a tall top hat told me not to. I wandered to Brown and Sons and bought a packet of Willett's Empires. Horrible hanging, the news vendor called. Horrible hanging. Get all the gruesome details. See the artist's pictures. Horrible hanging. I had not a penny on me for the paper, but if I had a hundred sovereigns in my purse, I should not have bought it. I hurried up Torrington Place and back along Gower Street, just in time to catch a glimpse of my guardian climbing out of a cab and walking briskly up the steps. Molly was still taking his coat when I went into the house. Bring me a pot of tea, he told her, and make it a strong one and tossing his cane into the stand, he marched straight into his study. The doorbell rang. What a waste, he said. The bunglers who stole Nightjar broke his leg and he had to be destroyed. He flipped through a pile of letters on his desk, but did not open any. Two were tossed straight into the bin. You worry about the life of an animal on such a day as this? There were fifty guineas in it for me if he had been alive. And one hundred and twenty-five pounds to send William Ashby to his death, I told him, and swept out of the room. I was halfway upstairs when I heard a voice and turned to see Inspector Pound coming into the hallway. His face was grey as Molly took his things, and he did not even glance up as he went into the study. The door was closed but I was down and into the room just as the inspector slumped into an armchair. He stood and greeted me. You look rather pale, inspector, I said. He was just about to tell me about the fuss at the hanging, my guardian said. Why, what happened? A botched job, the inspector tugged at his moustaches. The worst I have ever witnessed, and I have seen a few poor ones. To give Ashby his due, he stepped onto that trap with as much quiet dignity as any man could muster. He was much the worse for his jail fever, but he walked and stood unaided to the spot. All the usual stuff about being innocent of the crime, of course, but you expect that. The chaplain said his prayers, the sentence was read out, everybody stood back, and the hangman pulled the lever but nothing happened. The trap would not open. The hangman stamped on it. They even made Ashby jump up and down, but it was well and truly jammed. They took him off and brought in a carpenter. The wood had warped and he had to shave it down. Then the hangman started an argument. He had been delayed and relied on his assistant to assess the condemned man, but apparently Ashby had a stouter neck than he had been led to believe, and he did not think the rope was long enough. There was a conflict at present between the short-drop stranglers and the long-drop neck-breakers. The hangman wanted a quick death and insisted on a longer rope, 
and it took twenty minutes to produce one. And all that time, Ashby had to stand and listen to them quarrel while the carpenter planed the planks and tested the lever. Eventually, they got him back on the trap and put the noose round his neck, and the padre repeated his bunkum, and they all stood back and the lever was pulled, and the trap dropped, but only by a foot. Ashby stumbled and was choking with one leg jammed in the gap, so they hauled him up by the neck and called the carpenter back to saw a larger piece off. Then they put Ashby back on the trap, by which time the observers were incensed and saying that his sentence should be commuted to life imprisonment. So the governor sent out for further instructions, and Ashby stood another hour or more while Vernon Harcourt...